Yes, this is Birdsong back with you on Talk Zone Radio, Leonard Birdsong Radio Show. I'll go, there goes that fax machine again. That's my research assistant sending me some news tidbits to read on the air. But in this segment, um, and I'm glad you're back with me, we have a guest, and I'm glad to get her on. Her name, Dr. Katana Tully. She is a former actress and former model, a college professor. She was born in Guatemala by black parents or of black parents and was adopted by an upper-class white German family. And she ignored her racial identity for a long time, but finally had to come to grips with it. She's written a book that I've read called Split at the Root, a memoir of love and lost identity. Very well-written book. Couldn't put it down. I hope some of you will read it. Let's see if we can get the guest on. Willkommen, Dr. Tully. Wie geht es Ihnen? Gut, danke. Gut, danke, Leonard. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm fine. I thought I'd just try a little bit of my German on you. You know, I haven't been in Germany in a long time, but uh, they taught me pretty well. So good to have you on. I, I really wanted to get you on. I really did like your book, Split at the Root. Let me... um ask you some questions. I want you to talk about your life. You certainly weren't shy in your book. It almost reads like a novel. And you had, you've had what I think is a wonderful life, and you've gone on to write a book about it. And, you know, it's very revealing. Uh, it took you a long time to write it, though, right? It took me to, um, actually writing it, just getting it on paper, uh, was not long. I, I, hammered it down in about six weeks. But mm -hmm. then fixing it and rewriting and having various versions, and in the end, um, it, it took about 20 years before it saw the day of life. <laughs> um, and you say it, it reads like a novel. Well, my intention has been to structure it um, uh, like Toni Morrison's Song of Solomon. I love okay. this book. It's a book that develops backward. And I always felt that in order to understand me as I was more a whole person, a person who was integrated with her culture, her race, her appearance, and all of her upbringing, I need to develop back. Of course, I'm not Tony, Tony Morrison, and so that was a very um, ambitious approach mm -hmm. after after years and um, drafts, I think I have something like six or eight drafts, uh, I was told, look, just simply write it chronologically. And mm -hmm. that's what I did. I pulled it together chronologically. And so the reader understands the struggle of the child, a struggle the child doesn't understand and the child doesn't, you know, like all kids, Children right. just simply live through life without asking too many questions. They just barrel through it, and um, and so the reader the reader knows there are issues there. The reader knows throughout that there are issues there, even when uh, I'm older, when she is older, <laughs> the protagonist me, 
is a teenager, starts causing all kinds of the reaper always the person the individual. And that kind nope. of the reader in, I believe. All right, Katana, let's put a little meat on the bones of your story. I mean, I don't want to tell it. You were born in 1940 in Guatemala. Your mother was of African descent, and you are of African descent. Is that right? Yes. yes. And you um, were adopted by Muti and Fati. These were Germans who lived in Guatemala and who were involved in the coffee importing businesses or export, exporting business. Is that right? Yes. Um, they basically agricultural produce. Uh, they thought that, uh, that it went from uh, the inter- inside of the country via ships uh, or along a river uh, and then to, um, to cargo boats and further to Europe. That was Actually, their intent, you know, what their job. Mm-hmm. But so you were brought up speaking German. You were well taken care of as a child. You pretty much had everything you wanted. Is that right? Yes. I never had to ask for anything. Everything I needed, even wanted, was provided. I was mm. very much loved child. I mean, I was absolutely, they doted on me tremendously. And mm. I exploited it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you never, as a young child, really knew much about your real mother, even though she was sometimes living in the house. Is that right? Yeah, or at least uh, living in the vicinity. Well, she, was, she was living in the uh, When I remembering her, uh, she would visit, and, and it would upset me because compared my birth mother, who was black, my white mother, uh, my white mother had a lot of power, had a lot of pull. She could protect me. And so from the perspective of a child, a child is a survivor. And the right. child thus will go with the best protector. And so I disdained my mother uh, because she was black, because she was powerless. You mm-hmm. know, she... Uh, I later learned that she was immensely powerful, not the type of power that is seen as power in society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as I understand it, basically you didn't like your mother. You thought perhaps she abandoned you. Is that it? Or you just yes, didn't really think about it? As I remember it, you, you know, I... There were there. There's so many. I had the therapy to get back to some understanding as to why my perception of the world was not a friend to me because mm-hmm. I saw black people through the eyes of white people, and mm-hmm. while I was never ever given any inkling that there was something wrong with my background or wrong with me from the German society I was growing up in, the subliminal messages were there. It took you, so, took you, you know, a number of years to get over that. Now, let me just pivot here. You, uh, you are trilingual. You basically grew up speaking German and Spanish, and you learned English because you went to school at about 15 or 16 to Jamaica. Is that right? Oh, I, lo- I spoke English before. I spoke oh, you English. did? I was, 
I was trilingual by the time I was six. Mm. That I didn't get out of reading the book. I wasn't clear on that. But anyway, you yeah. are certainly trilingual, and maybe you speak a little Italian too, right? Yes. Uh, I lived in Rome, so um, I uh, I learned Italian. It was it came it came very easy. I by the time I learned Italian, I already knew French. And mm-hmm. so you know, there are five languages that that I'm very comfortable in. Well, that's good. I knew you spoke three, but not five. But I guess once you know how to speak Spanish, Italian isn't that difficult to grasp, right? And neither is French, you know. Mm, Well, I'm still working on that. (laughs) Okay, you're better at those kind of things than me. But let me let me try to find out some more about the story. You called your mother, your your adopted mother, Muti. That's what they call. That's mommy in German. And your father was Fati, right? Yes. Yes. My daughter, when we were living in Germany, when I was stationed there, she w- actually went to a uh, German kindergarten, Frau Erbe's kindergarten, and she started calling us Muti and Fati, which is something that oh. always shocked me. By the time she went to the international school in Hamburg, she had gotten over that. But so I, I've, I've heard those terms, but it still sort of shocks me when my child called me Mu- uh, Fati. But uh, you lived through that. Now, your Munti, when he, she learned that you wanted to be an actress, dissuaded you, saying there are no parts for people who look like you, Morley. And Morley means little more, right? Yes, Darcy. But yeah, you but that overcame that. Name. Tell I us a little so about much. it. Well, that was the one is. An endearing term for a dark person. Right. So, more is, I, I don't uh, tolerate anyone calling me Mole anymore. And there are none, there's no one alive who would still call me Mole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only did but, it because I read the book, okay? Yes, I didn't I mean know, it as a put I down. Know, I, no, I'm just saying it because it's a really endearing term. But when, you know, now, people come who say, oh, this is Morley. I say, no, I beg your pardon, Katana, you know, <laughs> because by now I'm not Morley anymore. But still, so that was what I was called. And so Muti said, look, there are no parts for you. And as far as I can see, none will ever be created. All and right. so it was very funny, um, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know what I wanted. Then I ended up in Europe, and in Europe, uh, uh, they were looking for part in a French comedy, and the part was actually a lead, second lead, second female lead, and that was a black girl. And someone said, look, there's this one girl over there, and she's fluent in German. Mm-hmm. She would be perfect for the part. And so the director comes up to me, asks, me if I would like to have the part and I tell them yes I always wanted to be an actress mm-hmm. and so you <laughs> so, fell into it now when you so originally went to Germany you were going to be a um, uh, what is it a translator you went to uh, study at the Sprachen und Dolmetscher Institute in Munich is that right? Yes that's uh, the language academy of the University of Munich Mm-hmm. But acting really got you, and uh, you never became a translator, as I understand it. No, I never did. I never did. No, I, I, I got into acting, and then when acting was slow, I was a model. 
but I worked on television, film, uh, stage, and in um, in voiceovers. I, I dubbed American films into German. And, um, you know, I did everything that actors do. Actors keep themselves busy. Right, right. In in Germany, when I was there, many of the American movies I saw actually had been dubbed into German. I didn't know enough German really to understand some of it, but sometimes they had subtitles. So interesting, very interesting. But I, I think you like that life, isn't that right? You matter of fact, you met your husband, who was an actor, while you were in Europe. Tell us about it. Uh. That was a blind date. He was an American, and I, I had by then, and that was the mid '60s. Uh, then you had the hot summers in the states. You had the civil rights movement here, and all of these things. And I didn't want to identify with any of that. And so here I have um, this American, and he wants, you know, a friend of mine says, "Hey, I have a friend." Uh, so he travels. He's from Italy, and it was a blind date, uh, and I only went because he sounded so very, very nice. Otherwise, I would have <laughs> not, I would not have bothered. Uh, and um, and we stayed together from that day on. Now he was a white American, and while my German mother always protected me as best she could so that people wouldn't say anything that might offend me because I was dark. Um, mm-hmm. he, he continued doing it. Mm-hmm. I see. Because my son, who is biracial, he also, he must have absorbed it from his father <laughs> because he also always protects me. He has the feeling, no, you're not going there. And no, you're not doing this. And we're going together. <laughs> right. As a matter of fact, as a result of you getting married to Fred, Fred Tully, wasn't that his name? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you ended up coming to America. You lived in Los Angeles for a little while, is that right? Yes, we lived in Los Angeles. And uh, at first I didn't under- understand racism. I didn't right. get it. And then when I understood what it was, I just simply packed the family up and left for Europe again. But But then Europe sort of turned you off, too, by that time, and you went to Mexico for a while. Is that that true? Those were years of settlement, yes. And then Mm -hmm. I came to upstate New York, where my husband was from, and they loved our son, and they embraced me, this New England family, all white, Irish, French, and embraced me like one of their own, um, which was very comforting. And um, then I decided, well, I need to finish my education. I'm not going to get any parts as an actress here. I need to finish my education. And um, and while I was studying at the university, I ended up having to say what I was. Was I Hispanic? <laughs> Black was I European because mm-hmm. of my culture, so I had an awful lot of conflict. Uh, and then someone had the wise suggestion to say that I needed therapy. I yeah. needed to understand, uh, you know, what the impact was. 
Well, Katana, we got, I want you to stay with us. We're going to take a little pause for the cause here, but I want to talk with you a little further. So please stay with us, okay? Thank you so much. You're listening to Leonard Birdsong Radio on TalkZone.com. Here's Professor Birdsong. Yes, sir. Back with you, Leonard Birdsong Radio. We're talking to Dr. Katana Tully. She is um, an author. She is a former college professor. She was an actress, a model, and she's written a wonderful book called Split at the Root. When we took that pause for the cause, we were talking about the fact that uh, in upstate New York, you went back to school and uh, you've um, got a master's degree and a Ph.D. degree, but you also went into therapy. Did it help you? Absolutely. Um, more than anything, it was, uh, it took a long time, really, about two years before I realized that there actually was something wrong with the way I perceived the world and the way I perceived myself, because I actually had a very poor self-image in spite of all the, uh, you know, the accolades and the praise I received as an actress. Exactly. What I did when I studied, when I, I studied African-American history, African history, uh, the history of Africans in Latin America. I studied art, um, you know, the heart of Renaissance, black uh, artists in the United States, their lives mm-hmm. that they left, literature, voracious reader. I read all the classics. And so I honestly speak myself very deeply into the culture of those that had gone before and what they had done and their struggles. The same with Caribbean, the uh, Caribbean literature, negritude. Right. Um, you know? Yes. I, I well know what you're talking about. As a matter of fact, what I want to segue into, I, you know, most, many people, I won't say most people in the United States probably don't know that there are black people in Guatemala. I knew something about it, but why don't you tell us how Africans came to live in Guatemala? Can you tell that story? Oh, yes. Um, the original inhabitants of the Caribbean islands were Arawak. Those were people Those from Native Americans. They, they were Native Americans who traveled up the Orinoco Delta, which is in Colombia, and then shipped off into the islands. Uh, they were warriors, survivors, and when the Spaniards came on the islands, they actually did away with the lesser, the weaker cultures, not because they killed them intentionally, but through disease and attrition, I guess. But mm-hmm. the Arawak fought them, fought the Spanish, then fought the French when the French started coming there because sugar became very lucrative. And, right. uh, and the, uh, the Arawak receded in a very small number, but they receded to a very inhospitable island called St. Vincent. Uh, and they lived there free without any interruption or the the English would try to 
get them off, and the French would try to get them off unsuccessfully. And on uh, in the 1700s, um, a slave ship uh, ran aground on the reef of um, of St. Vincent, and the slaves on that ship saved themselves onto the island and lived harmoniously with the black with the native population that lived there with the Arawak. Uh-huh. And so they were called basically the Arawaks, the Spaniards called them Caribs. And so that's where you have a dark population in St. Vincent. And right. in time it became uh, a fact and a feature that any slave or uh, enslaved people in the Caribbean, if they could make their way to St. Vincent, they would live there free. So um, eventually, in the late, early 1800s, the um, the British, a Seven Years' War, and around that time, the British just simply um, came to an agreement with the Caribs on St. Vincent that they would resettle them, in, and um, then. Uh, you know, they'd have access to the island. And so, because there were such few left, there were some 2,000 left, they put, uh-huh. them on ships, they put them on ships and sent them off, and these ships, these boatloads landed, and as I say, decorated the northern coast of Central America. Those, uh-huh. are, the, those are the mosquitoes in Nicaragua, those are the people in Honduras, a, Honduras has a, a, a population there. You have the ones in Guatemala, some in Belize, and um, and they lived there, settled as best they could, had to readjust to a very different form of of existence. And the British never came back to resettle them or to help <laughs> them settle. But they made it on their own because they were survivors for sure. Yes. And um, and so uh, that's how you have dark populations on the northern coast of Central America. All of these Panama right. is different, right. you know. Costa Rica has I don't think Costa Rica has any, but um, yeah, that's the history of Honduras, Nicaragua, and Guatemala, the Caribs there, and they're called Garifuna. That's the name they call today, and they have their African. Caribbean, whatever traditions, and the dancing, and the gregarious, joyous people. Right. Well, now, you came from a, uh, I guess you were actually born in a village uh, in Livingston in Guatemala. Guatemala. It can only be reached by boat up the Rio Dulce. That's the Sweet River. Is that right? Yes. Yes, that's the only way. Even today, there are no roads that connect because it goes through dense absolutely dense tropical jungle to get there from a city or from any others. It's, and you've and gone back there many times, and since you had your therapy, you have reunited with your Carib family. Isn't that right? Yes, I have. I have. And you, you couldn't stay seems like you couldn't stay away. You kept going back to find out more about how you grew up in this white German I guess, yeah, family. I, I just, I wanted to know what happened 
that much because I have a German friend who's very dear, and she said, no woman in that society, it's a well-paid society. She visited Livingston. She came back. She asked about Germans. People told her about the Germans that lived there. And they also said that they had stolen a black child. And she said, my German friend said, you need to pay attention to that term because no mother in a well-contained society as that one would leave her child. It's Mm. just not something that would be done. And so that's what I, it became my quest to find out why why I ended up with a German. Mm-hmm. Nothing critical nor anything. I just needed to know. And it, that's why I needed to go back. <laughs> because I, And then in the end, my German sister, who was a bit o- older than my birth mother, she knew all the whole background of the story. But of course, that would be a spoiler because the book develops really nicely and then it becomes a cliffhanger toward the end as to what happened. All right. All right, it does, and um, your book is a lovely one. It's a dramatic and beautifully written memoir where you explore questions of race, adoption, and identity. Katana, I want to thank you for coming on on this Groundhog Day in uh, Black History Month, and uh, I hope a lot of people go out and buy your book. It's really worth reading. All right? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Okay. I will. I I won't say uh, Alvita Zane. I'll just say choose. How about that? That's what they say in Hamburg. <laughs> yes. yes. Bye bye. That's wonderful. Thank you so right. much for having me on your program. I appreciate it immensely. I, I love talking to you. Thank you so much, Katana. Okay. Good luck bye with bye. the book. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.